Um, I, I once worked at McDonald's. Um, that was pretty bad, smelling McDonald's when I went home each day. I think the worst, though, was um, when I worked as a kitchen porter in a hotel. Uh, there was so much steam from that went into my face every time I opened it up. I wonder what the worst job in a couple of weeks. Uh, you might think that Moses had the worst job in history in trying to lead the Israelites through the desert, just three days into what was meant to be a two-week trip. Um, that ended up, as we know, taking 40 years. Just three days into that, his own brother and sister start grumbling about him in front of uh, the people. And you'll know that there's a history of uh, maybe some close ties with God occasionally, but a lot more rebellions and discord. And uh, last week's reading, you may remember that, um, that Moses actually says at one point, he says, Lord, just take me now. I can't lead these people anymore. Just take me now. Kill me now. Um, I'm pleased to say I've not reached that point in my role of leadership here at the church yet. I haven't yet gone, Lord, just take me now. Um, I can't cope with it anymore. And I wonder what the worst job you've ever had is. Uh, Moses had a pretty tough time of it, and we reach in today's passage the moment that Joshua is first commissioned to take on that role, possibly the worst, the hardest job in history. He's to be the one that's to lead the Israelites into the promised land. It's a tough call. Uh, If you uh, know a bit about Joshua, you'll know that he's been Moses' assistant since his youth. You might have spotted him crop up even in last week's reading. He's he's learning then a little bit about the things of the Spirit and about leadership, uh, servant leadership. Uh, from uh, Moses, when he's, he's anxious about the two guys that are prophesying out in the camp. You might remember if you were here last week. He said, can you s- stop them? It's only meant to be you. And Moses like, actually, I'd, I wish the whole of Israel, I wish there'd be more prophets. Uh, don't worry about me. I, I wish that God would speak through more people. And so he's learning all the time. And here we are, he's given this great commission. And um, other things that we see in uh, Joshua's life, though, things that we see in his character, is that he is a man who, um, who is tremendously loyal to Moses and has tremendous faith. You may remember, if you remember some of the story earlier on, uh, Numbers 14, 13 and 14. Moses sends out a bunch of spies to the promised land, doesn't he? And they all come back, and almost all of them say they're giants in that land. We haven't got a hope. We need to go back to Egypt. This is a complete train wreck. And there are two men. Let me know who the two men are who have the eyes of faith, who say, no, 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 if the Lord is with us, surely it can be done. Do you know who the two men are? Anybody? Caleb and Joshua. They're the only two, therefore, from that generation who end up seeing the promised land for themselves because they had the eyes of faith. So we know Joshua is a man of great faith, of loyalty, of obedience, who cares for the honor of the Lord, the name of the Lord. And, um, but it can be tempting when we hear of uh, things like that and uh, read some of these stories in the Old Testament um, about amazing men and women of God. Of course, none of whom were perfect and all had brokenness and weakness. Uh, the story of the Old Testament isn't full of amazing, perfect people who are filled with the Spirit of God, but actually broken people and broken stories where the grace and the power of God works in their life to bring out a glorious end. That's, of course, the story of of the whole of the Bible for those who would open themselves to the love and the power of God through the Spirit. Um, And uh, we reach this point in Joshua's 
life. And, and you can think it's just for certain people. In the Old Testament, there seemed to be this pattern of just the Spirit resting on certain people at particular times for particular purposes. Um, but of course, we know, and again, if you've been following the story, um, uh, Richard mentioned this prophecy last week, this prophecy from Joel, that it wasn't always to be that way. We saw 70-odd elders being filled with the Spirit for a time last week, and they're overflowing to these guys in the camp. But Joel prophesies, he says, and afterwards, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And I want to suggest in the time left to us that there's four key things we can pick up from this commissioning of Joshua, which actually have amazing parallels and therefore encouragements for us today. Could it be true that all of us in some way is commissioned by the Holy Spirit to be servant leaders in the kingdom of God, or the phrase that we might use in this church, disciple-making disciples. Could it be true? So let's have a little bit of a closer look um, at, uh, at what happens in this passage. Glance down um, again with me um, at verse 15 of our reading. Uh, verse 18, sorry, of our reading. Moses, uh, just before this, has said, has acknowledged he's not going to go into the promised land. And he calls out to the Lord to provide a new leader. Uh, a leader who um, can shepherd over his people, who can look after them, who can lead them in and out of battle, in and out of the Lord's presence. And verse 18, the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, son of Nun, not a Nun, that would have been controversial, guy called Nun, Um, A man in whom is the spirit, and lay your hand on him. Make him stand before Eleazar the priest, and the entire assembly, and commission commission him in their presence. Give him some of your authority, so that the whole Israelite community will obey him. First thing, the Lord recognizes that the spirit is in him. A man in whom is the Spirit. And of course, that's what, if you've been following our series on Sunday, we've been celebrating in part at the start of 1 Corinthians 12. It says in that reading, doesn't it, that that no one can say Jesus is Lord without the Holy Spirit. So if you're here today and you acknowledge Jesus as Lord, he was who he said he was, the Son of God. We, we came across this in Alpha just this week. We had um, uh, the second night of our Alpha course here on Wednesday evening. And we had a little bit of discussion at the start. We said we're going to be looking at who is Jesus. And there are one or two discussions already starting up. Well, he's the Son of God, isn't he? I don't believe he was really God. He's the Son of God. And then it came up in the talk that Jesus says something quite radical in John chapter 10. He says, I and the Father are one. I and the Father are one. And this person, when it came to the discussion, said, I think I was wrong, wasn't I? <laughs> and then he said, oh, but, but I suppose what he could have meant is that, you know, I'm quite like my dad. You could say I'm, I'm, I'm one with my dad. Maybe that's what he meant. So we looked at the very next verse. The very next verse in that reading, the people understanding fully what he was saying, pick up stones to stone him. Jesus asked him, why, why are you wanting to stone me? There's no misunderstanding. They say, well, it's because you, a mere man, claim to be God. And, um, and uh, when we um, put our faith in that Jesus Christ, the, the God, 
the part of the Trinity of our faith. Uh, when we proclaim that Jesus is Lord, the Spirit comes to live in us. So the first part that's recognized in Joshua and his leadership, that he has the Spirit, all of us can say we have the Holy Spirit. He lives in you and me as well. Second thing that happens, uh, or that the Lord says should happen to me, is he says to Moses, lay your hand on him. Lay your hand on him. Now this uh, is a classic um, commissioning action, physical action of commissioning people for a life of service. I don't know if, hands up if you were here for the baptism and confirmation service recently, just a couple of weeks ago. Hands up if you were, a few of you were here. Now, um, I mentioned this when I was preaching over at St. Albans that day as well. But we see this pattern in the baptism and confirmation service. Um, listen to, in to, to some of the liturgy here. It says, um, the, the minister um, says this, those who are baptized are called to worship and serve God. It ch- he challenges them, will you continue in the apostles' teaching and in fellowship, in the breaking of bread and the prayers? With the help of God, I will, they say. Will you persevere in resisting evil and whenever you fall into sin, repent and return to God? And it carries on. This, this calling of people to Christ. And then uh, the bishop in confirmation does this. He extends his hands to them. He lays his hands on the candidates and says, Almighty and ever-living God, you have given these your servants new birth in baptism by water and by the Spirit and have forgiven them all their sins. Let your Holy Spirit rest upon them. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and inward strength, the spirit of knowledge and true godliness. And let their delight be be in the fear of the Lord. Amen. You see this pattern of laying on of hands. Uh, we've experienced just recently in this community. We experience it when we pray for one another. Um, in prayer ministry, people filled with the Spirit of God, praying that others would be filled with the Spirit of God, laying on of hands. It's a pattern we see throughout the New Testament. Uh, wherever the apostles go, laying hands on people and praying that they would be filled with the Holy Spirit, we see an outpouring of the gifts and of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. This is what we are called to do as well, as we are commissioned for the Lord's service. Next in the passage, we see uh, the Lord saying, give him some of your authority. This passing on of authority through the laying on of hands, through the filling of the Holy Spirit. Again, this should ring bells for us in the New Testament. The great commission of Jesus to the apostles. Go and make disciples of all nations. All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. So I say, go and make disciples of all nations. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And of course, this is what we see them go on and do. Laying hands on people. Making disciples, making disciples. Elders who then lead those churches, who then lead other churches and go on and plant other churches. This pattern of the laying on of hands, the filling of the Holy Spirit, authority given, we see throughout the New Testament. The authority coming from the power and presence of the Spirit in our lives. So it seems that this pattern does emerge in the New Testament. It's relevant to all of us as well. But the wonderful last thing that I love about this passage is that we see that others are being raised up with gifts around Joshua as well to help him in his leadership. So we see Eleazar who's the son of Aaron, the high priest, is going to have a particular gift 
to hear the voice of God and to help Joshua in his leadership. And so, of course, that's what we are celebrating in our series um, uh, in 1 Corinthians. That there are all of these gifts of the Holy Spirit that we are all called to employ and use for the common good and to the glory of God. Each and every one of us will have a spiritual gift, if not multiple ones, that are there for the common good. We'll be looking at that this Sunday and to the glory of God. So, just as Joshua has the Holy Spirit, so do we. Just as, he's, uh, just as Moses lays hands on him and blesses him, so we can do that to one another. As authority was given to Joshua, we might not all have the leadership gifting and the particular role that Joshua has. But the 1 Corinthians is quite clear. As we pray for one another to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we should expect to see others released in gifts all together for the common good. It's the prophecy of the Old Testament coming into reality. And just as Joshua has other people around him, like Eleazar, who will help listen to God for him, who has that particular gift, so we see in our series, and we'll see on Sunday, that we are all called different parts of the body to work together, to serve together, to use the gifts that the Spirit gives us so that the Spirit might be revealed in the life of our church. Again, for the common good, to bless one another, edify one another, and to the glory of God, that we might also, in this place, be the disciple-making disciples that God is calling us to be. So in Joshua's commission, we see a pattern, actually, for all of us. The Spirit who commissions all of us to be disciples of Jesus Christ and to go and to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And as I look out at us uh, today, I see different spiritual gifts and gifts of service. I see people who know and love the Lord. I see people whose spirit, who, who have the Spirit of God in them. And I'm so excited at the thought this term that each and every one of us might be asking, Lord, Holy Spirit, would you come afresh into my life, set on fire the things that you've called for me to be? Because, you know, a church filled with the Holy Spirit, released in the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit, is unstoppable in its community. We know that because we're stood here today. Because there are a bunch of 12 disciples who, given authority by Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, went and made more disciples, who made more disciples, who made more disciples, filled with the power and the presence and the authority of the Holy Spirit, released in gifting, released in service, becoming more like Jesus through the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And here we are today because of their legacy. We're called today, commissioned by the Holy Spirit, by God, to be that people for this area and for this generation. Let me pray as I close. In fact, can I, can I ask you if you're able to stand as I pray for us? Again, you don't have to. But if you're here today and you would call yourself a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you know and love the Lord Jesus, 
can I invite you just to hold your hands out in front of you? I'm just going to pray a simple prayer of blessing on you. I'm not pretending to be Moses, <laughs> um, but I'm just going to pray that simple prayer of blessing on you. Heavenly Father, thank you for these children that are yours. Jesus, thank you that you called each one of these people to be your disciples. Because they've believed in the message of your disciples. And so, Lord, fill them now with your Holy Spirit. Commission them today and through this term, through this series, in a fresh way, Lord, to be your disciples at this time and in this place. Filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, released in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Whether it be a gift of intercession, or prophecy, or healing, a gift of tongues, a deep gift of faith like Joshua had. Whether it's today what people need is the peace of the Holy Spirit. Rest on them, I pray. Amen.